And we're back with episode 14 of the Reaction Podcast, where we react to what we heard on Sunday. Brad, this week we talked about distraction, which is a topic that you're pretty familiar with. Yes. Yeah, I am, because I, I live in a constant state of distraction. I am uh, I am clinical ADHD. Right. <laughs> so yeah. so living in a in a distracted state, you know, it just it was fitting uh, for me to, to speak on a week of distraction because I get it. I live it. I am I am distraction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a topic many of us can relate to. And the story that we used to talk about distraction was the rich young ruler. Yep, which we um, all have a hard time saying. We found out right. And you can't say it's a tongue twister. Yeah, I would just challenge anybody listening right now. Just press pause right where you're at and try to say "rich young ruler" as fast as you can. What five times? Yeah, five just, will do it. Three will do it. Just see what it turns into. The rich young yeah. ruler. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's hard to say. It is. It's difficult to say. Well, we definitely live in. I think the terminology you hear a lot is an age of distraction. Mm. We've got phones, we've got activities, we've got schedules that seem packed from kindergarten and on. People are just going, going, going and never really slowing down. Uh, Why was it important to talk about distraction with our students? I think it's something that, because it is such a relevant topic, it is such a relevant topic. thing that they're having to navigate. And I think it's also relevant for, for families as well. Um, and it, and it honestly comes from a standpoint of sometimes it's one of those, you can't see the forest for all the trees kind of scenarios where we don't realize how distracted we are. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is a case for both students and for families and parents. Um, well, you can't see the forest because you're looking at the sky, right? right? Yeah. And then the right. airplane flies by, and then and, and, and then, then you get a, a text bird, message. And there's a squirrel, and, and you know, and it is. It's just like it's it's. There's things going on everywhere. But I do think that it's something where we talk about, like you said, we live in an age of distraction, and typically what we point to and things like that are you know, social media and cell phones and well, you know, we can't get our eyes off our phones and all that kind of thing. And, and, and all of that is true. But when you really kind of take a couple of steps back and, and you start to look at family calendars and you start to look at what, you know, where you're spending your time and, and things like that, then you realize, oh, it's not just a social media thing. And it's not just something that affects students and millennials. Like this distraction is, is a way of life for us. And I think we've become so conditioned to it that we don't necessarily see it for what it is anymore. And we shared, you know, on Sunday night, we said, here's the definition. And to me, this was compelling. Uh, When I looked up the definition of of the word distraction, the first one, it's a two-part definition. And the first part is like a, yeah, duh, right? It's something that prevents someone uh, from giving their full attention to someone or something else, right? That is like, well, yeah, of course, that's what distraction is. It's something that is is hindering or, or hurting your ability to pay attention to someone or something else. But the second part of the definition to me was the one that I feel like is most compelling for people living today. And really, I think is a is a better description of of what distraction does to us the second part of the definition is it's a state of mental uncertainty uh which i read that and was like that's it because it's it is it's yeah we are looking you know to the left and to the right and the up up and down and all that kind of stuff and 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 it is it's like we can't really focus on what's in front of us because we're constantly being reminded of what's coming next or what was but what that causes in us is this state of, of mental uncertainty. And so distraction isn't so much uh, anymore for us like a physical, like squirrel, you know, like that, those kinds of things, so much as it is this place of, 
we get caught up in this cycle, and as a result of that, it's where it's where like the 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 FOMO and FOBO things you know have, have come from. So FOMO, fear of missing out; FOBO, fear of better options. We kind of live in this state of. You know, should I go with this option here or should I go with what's over there? You know, like my friends are worth my time, but but those friends over there could be more worth my time. You know, and we ask the question, like what we we like, what's going to give our life real purpose? What's going to define our lives? And what happens is we end up locking on to something. Well, this is the thing, you know, whether for students, it's my GPA or my athletic ability or, um, you know, my ability to to sing or, or act or do drama or whatever it may be, um, we lock on like, this is going to define my life. But what happens is we, we will lock onto that and we'll begin to pursue that thing until, you know, something better comes along and there's, well, I need to pursue that or, or this thing is now starting to vie for my time and attention. And, and yeah, I thought this was worth it, but maybe that's more worth it. And so we get stuck in this kind of cycle of mental uncertainty as a result of all of this distraction. And I think parents, can relate to this as well. Like there's, there comes a point in time when you get, you, you get so lost in that, that there, there's a moment where you kind of wake up, right. And you go, how did I get here? Like, how did my family get here? Um, how are we so all over the map? Um, you know, for some of it, parents, it's like you, you, you know, you, you get your, your bank statement and you go, how, how did we get here? How do we get to the point where there's no there's no money in the in the the checking account anymore? Oh, because and you you get so lost in the oh well, we spent money here and here and I don't even remember doing that. Um, and I think for students it's the same. Like how did I get here? How did I, you know, I even had conversations with with students who just recently graduated who are going, I can't believe I spent four years of my life thinking that mattered, you know. And they wake up that day and they, how did I, how did I get here? Uh, and so I think that's kind of the result of distraction. It's not so much this physical, you know, ADD, you see a shiny light and you go, Whoa, what's that? So much as it is, it's resulting in this kind of conflicted state of mental uncertainty where we get kind of paralyzed. It's paralysis by analysis, right? Um, and and we begin to pursue things that we think are going to fill in some of these blanks and answer some of these questions. And th- that moment comes when reality, you know, hits us in the face and we go, oh, how did I get here? Yeah. Like, how did this happen to me? Yeah, it's like getting caught in a slumber and it's more dangerous when you don't realize it. Yeah. Like, so what we're saying off the bat is it's a universal problem and it's not a new problem. Right. It's something you got to acknowledge because if, you, if you're if you unaware that you're being distracted, all of a sudden you're going to be stuck in this middle space and not realize that you're asleep until you have one of those rude awakening moments. Yeah. Uh, but that's what's cool about the story because it took place so long ago, the rich young ruler dealt with distraction and it's easy sometimes for us to think about Jesus stories as being full of Jesus people who did Jesus things Yep. but he was just as distracted as we are and he didn't have cell phones he didn't have the internet he didn't have all this stuff but there's always going to be something that's going to vie for your attention there's always going to be something that's going to pull you in the opposite direction from Jesus and from devotion to God and that's just part of being tempted as a human. Like yep. that is the state of a fallen earth. There are always going to be things that pull us in different directions. And it's not necessarily this danger of being fully pulled down the wrong path. It's the danger of getting caught in the middle yeah, and not giving yourself fully to any one thing. And all of a sudden you get to the end of life and you look back and you go, well, what did I accomplish? What did I do? What did I do? Yeah. You know, what, what did this all mean? Because I was just uncertain 
about all these different things, but I wasn't certain about any one thing. Right. And that's where we find the rich young ruler as he encounters Jesus going, well, I, I think I'm doing really well on a lot of fronts, Jesus. So like, what's the one more thing that I need to add to my plate to inherit the eternal kingdom? Yeah. And I think the thing that we, and we've said this in, in, in HSM in the past, um, but you know, we, we read in, in the, we read in, in the word and we get this, that, that there's an enemy at work, right? And, and the enemy is Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him. Right. Um, and, and it says that he wants to steal, kill and destroy. And that is ultimately his goal, right? He wants to rob from us. He wants to, to, he wants us dead. Those of us that are believers, like that's what he's, and I don't want to pull any punches and make you think that he's, that it's, that it's otherwise. No, he wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you and he wants to destroy your life. That's what he set out to do. Um, and while that's his goal, he'll settle for a distracted you, right? Because at that point you're, there's no purpose. There is no meaning, right? Yeah. And so I think that, that is, there's some truth to that statement of like, yeah, he wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you and he wants to destroy you, but he'll settle for a distracted you. Uh, and I think what the rich young ruler fell into and what so many of us fall into is that our way of life isn't so much about quality, it's about quantity. Right. And so the, the rich young ruler, his, the purpose of his life was more, 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 more. And we'll see that in a second when we talk about even the way he approached Jesus. Uh, but when you get when you when you got a quantity life, when that's what you're after, that's really all you're looking for. And so you're going to live in a constant state of distraction. Uh, and and honestly, it's one of those things. And this is a total kind of um, counterintuitive way of thinking about this. But you got to think Satan will allow you to be successful. Right. He allows success, especially what we would consider to be, you know, success by the world standard. He'll allow you to be successful if that means you get stuck or you stay in a distracted state. Um, so you look at some of those things, you go, how did that person, you know, that person is so successful. Why? Like Satan allows success uh, because success in some cases, especially success as the world defines it, um, is 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 harmful it's damaging from from an eternal perspective um, because it is it becomes all about quantity and not about quality and quality is where you find purpose and meaning yeah. um, and so I think that's a that's a huge deal and so you see this in Matthew 19 uh, when when this this young wealthy guy uh, comes to Jesus and he says teacher what good deed must I do to have eternal life and so you can tell right off the bat, uh, the way this guy approaches Jesus, uh, that he's that he's stuck in kind of this cycle of uncertainty because he's just looking, he's looking to add one more trophy to his trophy case. Like, you know, I just need this eternal life trophy because I've got all these others and I'm missing that one, you know, and it's not so much about the quality, it's about the quantity. I need this. This is yeah. the next thing that I need. Uh, and he kind of comes to Jesus and you kind of, and, and for me, as I've read this story, Mike, like I've thought through, like I, I picture this guy, um, like walking up to Jesus, and I know I know checkbooks were were so eighties, and nobody does checkbooks anymore. But I, I I picture I picture this guy walking up to Jesus with his checkbook open, going, "Hey man, what's it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me? I've got the resources. I'll pay it right now. Just let me know what I need to to get this thing." And it's like it's almost like a transactional deal of I'll give you this if you give me eternal life. Uh, and that's really kind of kind of where this where this whole thing is going. Um, and he's looking for what what's it going to take? What do I have to do? Um, and what we said on Sunday is that that our eternal life or a quality life doesn't so much begin or come from. It doesn't find its origin in our doing. 
Um, but it comes from the fact that Jesus shifts our being, right? So this guy's coming at Jesus in all the wrong ways. What, what I got to do? What's it going to cost me? What's it going to take? Let me write the check. Give me the receipt. Give me the deal. Like he's looking, he's looking to essentially earn his way or do his way into this eternal life, having this trophy, getting more of the stuff. Um, that's not where that's not where eternal life finds its origin. It doesn't find its its origin in our doing. It finds it from the fact it finds it in Jesus, and the fact that Jesus and Jesus alone shifts who we are. It shifts our being, and as a result of Jesus shifting our being, then our becoming also changes with it. Yeah, yeah. He's looking. This guy's looking to park eternal life in his garage next to his Ferrari. Yeah. The answer is no. You need to walk away from your Ferrari because eternal life is better. He says, you know, what what check do I need to write? And it's like, well, the only thing you have to do is put down the checkbook. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But the important thing in the story is not that it's money focused. It's not that it's possession focused. It's not that it's material focused. It's just that that who that is who this rich young ruler was being. He was being someone who was focused on possessions. But what's important is that's what he cared about. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, the only thing that matters is what you truly care about. Like the only thing that matters is what you're passionate about. It's what gets you excited. It's it's what you think about when you've got downtime, when you're laying in bed at night. Like that thing that, that has your focus, that has your attention, that has your love, that has your passion, that's the thing that needs to be focused on the kingdom. And if that's true, then you're going to inherit the kingdom. If that's not true, then the kingdom is off the table. It's not so much about the fact that this guy is rich. It's about the fact that this guy cares about and finds his identity in being rich. Yeah, and that, and I think that's that's often that's often something I think when people read this story, uh it's used almost to justify poverty. Um and oh this is how we need to live. Uh that's not what this is. And this is not a you know rich people are going to hell kind of thing. That's not what this is uh, what this is about. This is really what you see and that's why ultimately when we when we were looking at you know what's the core of the story? This is this is a guy living in in the midst of distraction, um, and this is what distraction does to us. This is the the byproduct or the result or the side effect of a distracted heart. You know, um, and and everything that then comes from that. And so it's not it, it isn't about wealth or 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 poverty or rich versus poor or or things like that. Um, it really is. It's about distraction and where and what does Jesus do? with a distracted human. Like, like, I mean, that really honestly is, is the, is the whole point of what we're talking about this summer. I mean, we, we come back to this thing of what does Jesus, what would Jesus do with someone like me? Whether it is, I'm struggling with shame, doubt, distraction. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about identity. You know, what does Jesus do with somebody like me where there are there's tension or, 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 or brokenness or, um, or there's a past or we've got, um, you know, just weight and baggage that we're carrying, carrying and things like, so if Jesus met me, if Jesus showed up in 2019, like he showed up back in his day and was walking and bumped into me, what would he say to me? Um, and I think that's, what's important about this story is it's not, it's not a, it's not an issue of where we are, you know, condemning wealth or things like that. Um, and, and I don't think Jesus is condemning wealth in this case. I think he's condemning, or he's not, I actually shouldn't say he's condemning, he is dealing with distraction. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the thing. And what ultimately what happens in this 
And what we said on Sunday is, as you know, Jesus and and this young man, they kind of go back through this 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 interchange and this conversation, and and it ends with Jesus saying, "If if you want to be perfect, like if that's what you're looking for, uh, if you want to achieve, then go sell all your stuff, give the money to the poor, and then you then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me." And so what Jesus does in this case is. He, he meets us in the middle of distraction and he offers us a chance to stop doing and start being, right? And as and as we begin to shift who we are, our becoming then changes. And and one of the things we, we said on, on Sunday night is, is you can begin to argue, you can say, well, Jesus is what we're doing, but he asks this guy to do something. He asks him to go sell all of his stuff and give the money to the poor and, and things like that. You're right. And the answer to that question is, yeah, that argument is, yeah, well, if Jesus, why is he asking this guy to do something? Yeah, he is. He's asking this guy to do something. But ultimately what he's doing is he's speaking this guy's language. Yeah. He's meeting him where he is. And I realize like, all you want is to do and achieve and achieve and achieve because that's what's gotten you where you are. So I'm going to speak your language. And what I'm offering you isn't, the, it, this isn't a task or a chore that I'm asking you to do. I'm giving you the chance to become someone who cares more about other people than you do about yourself. Uh, and the origin in that is ultimately that Jesus isn't going to settle for being number two in our lives. He's just not. And so he's going to go right and speak right at the thing that's competing for his place in our hearts. And for this guy, it was. It was his stuff. It was his possessions. Um, and, and I think the, the the thing about that and something we said Sunday is, well, you can go, well, that's kind of selfish, Jesus. Like it's selfish that you won't just kind of, like, could we not, could you not come to a compromise with this guy? And the answer is no. Like there's no, there's no compromise. Jesus will not compromise for the throne of our hearts. Like Jesus isn't going to settle for the silver or the bronze. Jesus isn't happy with being on the podium. Jesus wants the number one place in our lives. And he's not going to, he's not going to compete for that. He's not going to settle for something else being in competition with him. And ultimately at the end of the day, I think the thing we got to think about is the reason Jesus can say this is is Jesus was beaten and killed and shoved in a hole and came back to life three days later. Um, so I think he gets the opportunity. He, he has the right to say, yeah, you're not going to compete with me on that. Because the question is, who or what else will do that for you? Like what in your life? And I would ask parents and students as you're listening to this right now, as, as you realize maybe there is something competing for that, that throne of my life. Um, what in your life, what, what in your life right now? What in, what's going on, like the things you have, the things that bring you peace and comfort, um, will those things do for you what Jesus did for you? Like, will they allow themselves to be publicly executed and mocked and beaten and killed? Uh, will they allow that? Will they, will they go through that for you? Um, I think that's the thing of going, you know, a lot of us, we get real touchy when Jesus starts talking about our priorities and Jesus jumps in our business. And it's like, yeah, he has the right to jump in your business because this is a guy who went through that in order for you to be able to live. Um, and so I think that's a, I mean, and, and that's a strong argument, right? Of, yeah, he has the right to ask this guy to do this because Jesus knows what he's gonna do for him and what he's gonna do for the rest of us. So Jesus has the right to ask you, hey, are you willing to let go of the thing that's gonna compete for, for my place ultimately? And what you're giving up and what you're receiving is, yeah, you're giving up some things, you're gonna sell your thing, but you're gonna become someone uh, that looks, walks, talks, acts, feels more like Jesus in the process. Yeah. Well, as you continue to read through the story, you start to realize the reason that Jesus asks him to do something is because he knows how that thing is going to make him feel. Yeah. Because right after he asks him that question or he gives him that that command, the guy becomes very sad, it says. Yeah. Like this this request makes him very sad. 
because doing this thing would make him give up the thing that he cares about most. And so I think a question that's good for us to ask ourselves is what would we become very sad about leaving behind? Right. What is that thing in life that if Jesus said, all right, you need to let go of this, that it would put you in that place of being very sad, in that place of going, ah, I just don't know if that's worth it. It's a really quick way to get to the heart of what's standing between me and Jesus. Maybe right. it's not money. This guy wasn't a bad guy. No. It says he followed all these commands since he was young. Similar language to what we see when Paul describes his life before Jesus. Like Paul says the same thing. I kept all these commands since since I was young. You know, like if I was boasting on works, on righteousness, like I could boast on all those things. Yeah, and you can't you can't touch me. What I didn't have yeah. was Jesus. Yeah. And I was still a, a sinner caught up in myself. Uh, this guy wasn't bad. He could have been poor. He could have been destitute. He could have been generous, but maybe he was caught up in seeking the approval of people. Jesus would still be looking at him going, you need to give up one thing. And it's the approval of other people. Mm. In this case, it just happens to be money, but it's making him feel sad because it's this thing that's so important to him. And so I think if we ask ourselves that question, uh, we'll start to uncover some things in our lives that are like, yeah, that, that would make me feel sad. And so maybe I need to deal with this in order to run towards Jesus. Maybe these things are my distractions. Yeah, and I think that that you know, as we we, we this guy walks away, right? Uh, and he walks away sad. And I think the the crazy thing is Jesus lets him. You know, I think yeah. that's one of the, that's that's off that's a that's an often you know that's an unspoken of or whatever part of the story. Like we don't talk about that. Like Jesus didn't chase this guy down and go, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Like I didn't, you know, I, I didn't mean that, you know, and this was a guy, honestly, you know, Jesus is, a, he's, he's doing public ministry. I mean, and, and they're, they're needing to buy food and find places to stay. This was a guy that could have financed Jesus's ministry. Um, this guy could have been, this was, this is a dude, you know, you want him in your, you know, in your crew cause he rolls deep. Right. So, but Jesus lets this guy walk away. And I think, how many times do we do that? Jesus offers us a chance to get out of the cycle of performing and achieving, to get out of this this place where we're trying to earn our place. Um, and, and he says, he gives us this invitation, hey, let go. Let go of those things and allow me to begin to shift your being and your becoming. And in the middle of that, we go, nah, I'd rather not. Like, yeah. We have the, we have the, we'd rather have the quantity life that comes from our doing than the quality life that comes from a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. The cool thing about the follow-up to this story is it's not just a request. It's a request that comes with a promise. If you look in the, the Luke account, he finishes telling the story. The guy walks away and the crowd is kind of like speechless. Stunned. They're going, yeah. well, what just happened? Why'd you ask him to do that? What are you doing? He's walking away now. They're probably thinking what you just said, like yeah. he could have paid for your ministry. And Jesus's response to them is, uh, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Yeah. And so letting go of distractions, letting go of the things that are going to make you very sad to let them go can seem impossible. It can seem huge. It can seem monumental. It can seem not worth it. But what Jesus promises the crowd is, that may seem impossible now, but with God, if you choose to take that step of faith, this almost goes back to our doubt week. Like it may not seem real, it may not seem possible. The whole story may not be unfolded right now, but you've got to be willing to take the first step. You've got to be willing to do the trust fall. God's going to provide for you spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, and it's going to become possible yeah. if you're willing to trust in him. And then he follows that up with saying, you know, to people whose concerns 
or maybe not money, but family and relationships and responsibilities. He says, there's, there's no one who has left his house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. And so he, he turns to the crowd and he addresses a whole new set of distractions. Yeah, yeah. It's like, again, this isn't about money. Maybe this is about the family you have at home. Maybe this is about tradition. Maybe this is about culture. People were looking at the rich young ruler as this guy who had the favor of the Lord because he was wealthy. Like sure. that was a cultural expectation yeah, back then. Yeah. If you were wealthy, you had God's favor. And Jesus is introducing this paradigm shift of like, that's what culture says, but it's not true. Yeah. And you guys need to think about your own lives in that same way because your culture says you need to stick with your family. Your culture says you need to stay in the same home, in the same community, doing the same things that your parents and your grandparents did. But maybe that's not true because maybe there's something better around the corner that seems impossible, but it's not. Right, yeah, and I think the thing that I, that I love too is, is you know, and, and this goes back, this is obviously the, the Matthew, Matthew's account of this and Luke's account of this is, very, it's later in Jesus's ministry, it's really as his ministry, his public ministry is starting to wrap up. Uh, but you even go back to the beginning of Jesus's ministry in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, you know, where he says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. You know, like that to me is, especially in an age of distraction, should be the the verse that we write on our mirrors. It should be, um, you know, on the kitchen. It should be on the fridge. It should be seek first the kingdom of God and he'll give you everything you need. Right. Which comes back to faith. Um, and that's, that's really what it is. I'm trusting that if I seek his kingdom and I, and I move that direction in faith, I'm trusting that God, who is faithful, will respond to that. Um, and that's what Jesus says in, in the end of you know, that, that account in Luke when he turns to the crowd and says, hey, you're not off the hook, right? This guy, you're, you're looking at this guy going, ooh, you know, that's, that's what happens when you got a bunch of stuff. Now, you guys aren't off the hook either. There's other distractions in your life. Um, seek first the kingdom of God and trust him with everything else. Uh, and I think that's, that, that is, I mean, that's way easier said than done. Um, but I do think that we have to begin to take baby steps in that. And I think for, you know, as we, as we wrap up even our conversation here, I think that's something that, I, that, you know, as, as we, as here we find ourselves in the midst of summer, right? You're getting ready to move into kind of like the, the, the middle of summer, right? The, there's, there is, there's, there's vacations happening, you know, kids are off school, Summer is a great time to kind of put things on the table and do some reevaluation. Yeah. Um, and so I would really challenge families in this season and in this time to say, like, okay, so moms and dads, let's let's start asking ourselves the question of what is competing for my heart um, when it comes to Jesus. Like, what's competing for that that gold medal throne um, aspect of my life when it comes to Jesus? Because here's the thing: as parents, as moms and dads. Uh, what what happens to us ultimately trickles down to our families. So moms and dads, if there's something in your heart that has the throne of your life and it's not Jesus, guess who else is going to be affected by that, right? Everybody in your house is going to What be, you it, value is what your family is going to value. It's like a train, right? It's like, a, like wherever the engine goes, the, the rest of the train goes with it. Um, and so I think that this is a really good time to begin to do some self-exploration and ask ourselves, like, what is that? Um, I think practically speaking, I think you can start looking at calendars and going, I mean, are we doing, is our family doing 10 things? I think if you ask families now, like what's the average, and I don't know this stat, um, 
but what's the average amount of activities your family's involved in? Uh, it's got to be through the roof, you know. And and I, so so what are the things instead of instead of our family trying to to um, survive doing ten things, could we thrive if we just did two? You know, yeah. like, and, and are we willing to let go of those? Things? Are you willing to let go of soccer and basketball and football and field hockey? And you know, are you willing to let go of those things? And and in order to be able to do you know, less so that you can have a quality life and not a quantity life. Um, you know, I think from a student perspective, it, it is, it's, it's asking that similar question of what sits on the throne of my life? What is that thing promising me um, that, that ultimately, uh, can, it, can, it, can it fulfill that promise? Uh, is it willing to do for me what Jesus did for me? And if the answer to that question is no, then it's something you need to reevaluate. Um, and I think that it is like, this is a little bit more head spacey, you know, in terms of like, oh, I need to do some, some thinking through my, I need to kind of let my life, I need to reevaluate my life and my priorities and, and what's distracting me and things like that. Because here's, you, you, got, you have two options. You can either do this on purpose right now and be proactive or your life's going to hit a wall and then you're going to be reactive. You're going to be picking up the pieces and asking that question, how did I get here? How did this happen to me? And so I think this is, it's, it's better to do this now um, than it is to wait and, and wait and, and, and in the midst of chaos and wreckage to try to put it back together and answer some of these questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good action plan. How do we, how do we stop just surviving and start thriving? Yeah. What's standing between me and Jesus? What's standing between us and Jesus? What would I miss most if it were gone? And do I care too much about that thing? Those are the questions to ask this week, and uh, those are the questions maybe to bring up around the dinner table. you got to remember culture, tradition, comfort, those things are not as important as what Jesus is calling us into, and God is going to make that possible even if it doesn't seem like it is right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So have this conversation and then go blow some things up on the 4th of July. And we'll be back next week talking about faith. (laughs) We'll see you guys next week.